I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. There's an analogy, um, awareness and compassion is like the sun, the, the light of the sun and the warmth of the sun combined. So you can't really oh, have one without the other. Beautiful. Who's, where did you where did you get that from? Uh, from Andy, actually. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, because huh? uh, I think when you they can be seen or viewed as separate, mm. uh, but actually, if you mm. think about the light, the clarity mm-hmm. you get from the sun, it comes with a warmth, and that's the compassion. Yeah, piece. I'm deeply committed to, and not only. I'm protective of uh, these aren't things that just some folks made up 20 years ago Uh, you know there's a reason they've been around for as long as they have Mm -hmm. because they work Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and you have to confront the dark side of the mind Mm. and you know with with the you know joyous aspects that that, that meditation can bring Mm -hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. My name is Michael Cammers, your host, monologist, and sometimes podkick. And all of us here at Be Here Now and Dharma Moon sincerely hope this podcast finds you as well as can be during these challenging times in the human realm. And that is one of the things I really appreciated in this discussion with David and our very special guest, Eve Lewis. They aren't avoiding the challenging things we experience in life in this conversation. They discuss the nature of suffering, how the ways we communicate and technology and our relationship with it can be poison or medicine, and how mindfulness can be an antidote for a lot of the challenges we are facing today as it shifts our relationship with ourselves, our experience, and the people we interact with. As you can hear in the two pull quotes up front, Eve has a deep relationship with the practice of mindfulness and an incredible ability to communicate the practice directly from her own experience. Eve is Director of Teaching and oversees Headspace's meditation curriculum and the introduction of new meditation teachers onto the Headspace platform. She's a certified mindfulness teacher who has been with Headspace since 2013 and creates many of the in-app meditations. She is passionate about teaching people the benefits of meditation and mindfulness, specifically around stress reduction, anxiety management, resiliency, sleep, and self-compassion. In her teaching, 
Eve draws heavily on the human experience knowing that we are all going to make mistakes and that life really can change in an instant. If you like what you hear in this podcast and would like to connect with Eve, you can follow her on Instagram at Meditate with Eve, as well as at her website, mbsrwitheveand.com. That's D with two E's. And if this introduction hasn't been enough to pique your curiosity to continue with the episode, Eve drops a coupon code for a pretty substantial discount on a Headspace subscription later in the episode. Okay. I think that's enough for our intro. The table has been set. And now, it is our privilege and pleasure to share with you episode number 35 of the CSM podcast, A Mindful Headspace, with Eve Lewis. Enjoy! Okay. Welcome, everybody, to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast. We have a special guest today who is a friend and meditation student. Eve Lewis Prieto, and she's also a principal teacher and a content director over for Headspace. Um, so she has a very important role in terms of making the meditation teachings available to a much wider array of people than we've been able to do in the past. So she's been doing a great job with that and a serious practitioner herself. And uh, we've We've talked for several years. She's also a graduate of the Dharma Moon Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. So she, she's um, one of our own, you could say, and from that perspective. And um, Eve, I just wanted to welcome you. It's, it's, uh, this is delightful that we can get to talk this way. And, and, and uh, thank you for doing this. And thank you for coming on to the podcast. Delightful is a perfect word I would describe. Uh, you've been not only a wonderful friend, but my mentor, guide, teacher over the last, what, four, five years, I think. So very grateful to be here. Thank you. And and we met in person when people still did such crazy things. We did. We had yes. a teacher training program in Los Angeles um, and uh, Eve was a student there. And, you know, I can, it's funny when you know people over time, I can kind of visualize you then and, and um, seeing how you've kind of grown and, and um, uh, you, you know, to me, you seem sort of both more grounded and more expansive, you know, since that time. And um, so uh, there's two things I'd like to talk about. One is your own sort of sense of practice going forward, but also you have a very important role with, um, with one of the largest providers of meditation content for, um, for the general pop, gen pop. Mm. headspace so what's that first of all how did you start working with them how did that even happen in the first place yes it's uh, a a story of a sliding doors moment really Uh, an auspicious circumstance if you will Uh, so I got into meditation I started meditating because of crippling anxiety Uh, and I used to work in advertising many moons ago. (laughs) Uh, And I was really struggling. I had, uh, so this was my late twenties. I had been through a very difficult time in my twenties. There'd been a lot of challenge in my family. My dad had been struggling with uh, an addiction. Uh, I'd been in a very toxic relationship and I hadn't really processed any of that. And it was showing up uh, as 
very intense anxiety, uh, probably verging on some depression there, but I wasn't really able to identify really what was happening. I just thought that's how I'd been so used to feeling that way. I thought that's just how you felt Uh, until it got to a point where I was really woken up. Uh, I, I physically woke up with this huge rash all over my neck and my hands, my face. And it was as a result of stress. I wasn't sleeping. I'd lost weight. Uh, I was just in a very dark place. Uh, And a friend of mine had suggested I try some meditation. And I'll be honest, I was a little skeptical, a bit judgmental. (laughs) (laughs) A little judgmental, thinking, I don't need that. Really, it was coming from a place of ignorance. I knew very little about it, only from what I perceived these practices to be, you know, religious, spiritual, you wore special robes. Uh, And because back then it it just wasn't as mainstream as it is now or accessible. Uh, Anyway, I I went to an in-person class. I'll never forget that. Eve, what Uh, year are we in about? uh, uh, let me think, 2010. So 12 years ago. Roughly. Yeah, 2010, okay. I think. Okay. Uh, my sense of time has walked. But yeah, I think around 2010. Uh, and uh, yeah, I went to this class in East London. It's a London Buddhist center. Uh, it was packed. Uh, and I remember thinking, gosh, this is, even though, even though it was at a Buddhist center, uh, it was just, everything that I wasn't expecting. Uh, it was a great teacher huh. for the first time, which I can remember their name, uh, for the first time in, I think my whole life, uh, I realized I didn't need to feel the way I was feeling all of the time. Uh, I, I grew up as quite an anxious kid, as an anxious child. I think I, I run anxious, I would say. Uh, and... The, from then on, I knew that meditation would be in my life. And shortly after that, uh, maybe I've been meditating for a few months, maybe a year, uh, and Headspace came on the scene as an app, as a digital experience. Uh, and a friend said they were in The Guardian, with this article about them. I thought, okay, I'll give this a try. And I've been practicing with Andy Pudicombe, who's our founder. Uh, and... I remember thinking I had this, you know, epiphany one day I was going to quit advertising because I really didn't enjoy it. It was very thankless work, very stressful. And I was going to train as a Pilates teacher. I was like, that's good. That's, that's, I've always wanted to take care of, you know, mind and body. Uh, and I felt like I'd found a place for my for myself, a calling, if you want a better word. Uh, so I quit my job. I was going to freelance and do this training. And I was having a conversation with one of my closest friends who was asking how I was doing. She knew I'd been struggling a lot. Uh, And I told her my plans and just happened to say, have you been using Headspace? And it's really, but doing meditations really changed my life. You know, I'd love to work for somewhere like Headspace. And turns out she used to live with Rich, who's our other (laughs) co-founder. Oh, goodness. Oh, Tendril, right? We're always talking about auspicious coincidence. Yes. That, that would be one, no? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and let's just say I never did the Pilates training. Uh, Instead, 
<laughs> I got a job at Headspace in 2013, I think it was. Well, would you just, oh, you had the contact in. So the, I had the she, contact. She connected you with the, uh, yes, with Rich or with the management with, team? With or? Rich, with Rich, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, and this was back when there was, gosh, under 10 people at the company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it took a while to get her here back from them. Uh, uh-huh. I think they were very, very, uh, they didn't really know what they needed. Uh, uh-huh. And so I, I sent this letter in and didn't hear anything for ages. Uh, and then got an email saying, can we can we meet with you? Uh, and I'd already started my Pilates training, actually. So I did did start a bit of it. Uh, and I was like, yes, of course, of course. Uh, and then didn't hear anything again for a while. Uh, so it took it took a bit of time to get my foot in the door, so to speak. But eventually it happened and it's it'll be 10 years next year. Well, A, that's a long time to work for a single company. That's a real relationship. That's a it marriage. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and it went from 10 people. How many people are employed now by Headspace? We are combined with uh, Ginger, who we've just merged with. Mm-hmm. So now Headspace Health. We are, I, th- I don't know the exact number, but over a thousand. Wow. That's quite a growth. Yeah, it is. It's just remarkable to see the transformation and and just the evolution, honestly. You know, when I started, I don't think any of us really knew what we were doing (laughs) other than a commitment to practice uh, and supporting ourselves, you know, out there in the world. So to see the app evolve, we now have multiple teachers on the platform we're reaching so many millions of people, which is just, that's that's what keeps me here at this company, honestly, yeah. is that we are helping people with their mental health. And are you, are you teaching the same, are you teaching the same technique that you yourself learned right at the beginning there? When yes. you started meditating for Headspace, was it mindfulness meditation? That was the, yes. what you were presented with as a, as a practitioner? Yes. And is it, has it changed? Are you teaching the same method basically, would you say? More or less. I mean, in going through uh, the Dharma Moon, I mean, I know it wasn't exactly Dharma Moon then, but the the um, teacher training intensive with you, right. it's only uh, my A, understanding and B, knowledge of these practices has expanded. Uh, and so with my teaching, uh, you know, it's rooted in mindfulness uh, and I've I've just finished a qualification through UCSD Center for Mindfulness for MBSR Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction, so which is rooted in you know insight meditation, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, it's rooted in those first practices that I learned as a practitioner myself. Uh, and you can't really just take these teachings and go off in, into a, into a kind of cave or a, mm. a forest, can you? I mean, the way the way that we're being exposed to it yeah I, I was asked a similar question the other day uh and it it was something along the lines of why do you think the need for meditation and mindfulness practices has increased mm-hmm. uh without stating the obvious uh and you know i thought about this and the need has always been there mm. always <laughs> uh, i think we forget that <laughs> that's good but it's if you, you know, we were talking about this just earlier, there's just so much suffering around us. Mm. So much, 
just on an unimaginable scale. And it's also hard to even just comprehend mm. the amount of suffering that we are witnessing. Uh, and so, I can't remember who I was speaking to. It was, uh, yeah, I think it was a, a, a journalist and they were saying, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago, you didn't have the same access to news 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So in terms of we are witnessing right. trauma and destruction and violence every single day. Whereas before we just, we didn't, you would watch the news at a certain time in the day. Uh, and, it, you know, even the evolution of di- you know digital media just means it is instantly accessible and through video. And this has been a huge increase in the last, even just three, four years, people are capturing things on their phones, instantly posting. Mm. So you're you're witnessing extreme violence, uh, which I just, which is, you know, why increases of PTSD, trauma, there is just so much in the world that is difficult. Uh, and it's not that it's not always been there. It's just, it's so much more visible. So well, it's, like our, you- it's like our eyelids have been peeled back. Yes. We don't have we don't have eyelids anymore. Yeah, and yeah. in a way, uh, it's creating a lot of um, trauma for young people. I think to have this much overwhelming load, and you know, I think about it because I I date back to just right after World War II. I popped into this particular situation. You know, nineteen forty eight. marked. <laughs> yeah, and my dad just back from the war. Yeah, and you know, seventy five million people were killed in World War II. Seven, six million Jews were incinerated in World War II. It's not like we're in a, you know, in some sense, we're in a better situation than, than for part of the time. You know, I, I lived through a time when we would, um, in third grade, we would have a drill, an air raid drill and in New York City, which is where I grew up. And you'd have to get under your desk. You'd crawl under your desk and because for a nuclear attack. And even at eight years old, I thought, this is, this is stupid. You're saying a nuclear weapon's going to drop in New York, and I'm going to be okay because I'm underneath my little desk with those little ink holes, <laughs> ink wells in them. No way. So I, I as a perspective holder from from just longevity, go. You know, I'm not sure it's that some things we're experiencing are, are so much different or so much worse, and and maybe even better in some weird senses, but it's in your face. And and what everybody thinks about everything is in your ears and in your face. You just yeah. you, it's like being inside a beehive, you know. Yeah, I think that's a huge difference. Uh, and you're right in terms of genocide and mass loss of life in wars, as you said, has changed. But you know, I obviously wasn't around during World War Two. But, you know, my grandmother would speak to the fact that she, it would take weeks, weeks to hear information. Mm. Now you hear it in seconds. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, and you see it on younger populations, uh, you know, the, the rates of stress, depression, suicide in teens has yeah. never been higher. Uh, and obviously, I think social media plays a role in that lack of identity, hiding behind filters and uh this sense of um self putting mm-hmm. this different self out into the world than the real one uh so well, and so- eve let me ask you this question sorry sorry for just jumping no, no, in no, but of course 
um, the fact that the antidote, which is this mindfulness antidote, is being delivered through the same system that is creating this kind of information overload. Yeah. How is that working? In other words, I'm sitting there with my my phone and I'm getting my transmission of the awakened state of mind through that same portal and gathering data points about it and talking to other people about how mindfulness is. When do you put it down? So when when you're using the Headspace app, do you put the phone down at a certain point and actually meditate or are you meditating with the phone the whole time? Uh, so that, yeah, a few, few points there. Uh, and really great to bring up. And we get asked this, I get asked this a lot. We get asked this Mm -hmm. a lot. Going back to the intention of Rich and Andy when Headspace first was born, Mm -hmm. Headspace actually started as an events company. Andy would, uh, do a day long retreat, a weekend. Live. Live. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, in London, uh, and around, you know, South UK, uh, and overwhelmingly, the response from people who attended these events was, this is really great. How can I do it at home? Okay. Uh, and people would so, actually would, would express that. Yes, in the feedback. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Rich, who used to work, he was an ad man, creative, very uh-huh. visionary man. Uh, you know, he was really the the... the had the inspiration behind our creative look and feel, mm-hmm. our tone of voice. Okay. Uh, and so he convinced Andy <laughs> to make it digital. And it okay. took it took some convincing. Uh, yeah, I, I see. Andy talking about this. He says, no, 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 it, it can't work. Mm. Uh, it needs to be in person. Uh, and Rich said, look, if our intention here is to try and make meditation, mindfulness, these practices as accessible as possible and as approachable as possible, we need to find ways that we can reach people in their homes who may not feel ready to go to an in-person class or yeah. a, a day or a half day or a weekend thing. So that's really how it how it was born, the digital so version. It was Headspace. born as an on-ramp yes. concept, right? It, it wasn't like this is going to be the final solution. This is going to be how we get people interested and magnetize them into it in the first place. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was an evolution of of the of the experience, really. Right, uh, uh, and that was very much driven uh, initially by Rich. I think when Andy saw the impact we could have uh, by putting it in an app, and gosh, that was what eleven years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, apps were just becoming a thing. Right. So it, we we really hit at the right time around not only apps being something that consumers can interact with, uh, but also there, was, there wasn't really any other digital offerings really around at that time in sure. terms of meditation mindfulness. So that's the, the, the context. The, the, this jarring with technology and, uh, and you know, I, I can completely relate and sympathize. Sometimes I just want to throw my phone away. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all probably feel that. Sure. Like that, I don't think technology is the issue. It's our relationship to it, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know we we have spent quite a bit of time. I've spent quite a bit of time talking about this. Uh, what are some you know boundaries that you can put around the use of technology? So if you're in mm-hmm. bed, try and get a traditional alarm clock. Don't use your phone as 
as your way to wake up uh, and go to sleep at night. <laughs> Oops. Oops. I mean, I, of course, these are just suggestions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so you know, and, and for the most part, our phones stress us out. Emails, messages, social media, news, and so I, I actually have turned off all my notifications uh, so that I'm not being constantly pinged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that when I do use the Headspace app, or you know, when I meditate, I I mainly meditate. Well, I do a combination: self guided timer, uh, and then uh, and then guided. Yeah. Uh, and but so when I'm using it, I'm thinking, well, this is something that's actually helping me most of the time. I have this hate relationship with my phone. I don't want to be on it. But when I'm using it for my practice, it's it has a really useful purpose. Uh, so yes, there is this tension between technology, uh, you know, apps and our usage of technology. Uh, and so I think it, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing folks, but, you know, we, I, I have, I'm sure we've all been in these scenarios where you think, oh my God, I've just wasted 45 minutes scrolling through Instagram. Uh, and, and people, and I'm sure you've had this countless times, people are always saying they don't have time to meditate. I don't yeah. have enough time. My life's so busy. Mm. Uh, right up there with you. Uh, I don't have extra time, but mm. could you spend maybe a little less time doing something? Uh, maybe it's watching Netflix or doing less social media. Uh, and use it instead, use your phone for your mental well-being. Yeah. You know, are you a Star Trek fan at all? I am. You are? Oh, that's I cool. am. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a huge sci-fi fantasy fan. So oh, anything good. that okay. fits in that realm, I'm... So yes. there's some good, uh, you know, uh, metaphorical content there. But I'm thinking of the Borg. Do you know who the Borg are on Star Trek? Yes. They're, they're the communal their minds are linked yes. to probably technology to begin with. And then it just becomes part of your ordinary consciousness that you're part of a sphere. So I'm thinking of Dilgo Kensei Rinpoche, who, you know, is sort mm-hmm. of grandpa to a lot of the lineages that we've studied with. Um, and, you know, I hope people who are out there only live long enough to see a being like that and realize mm-hmm. what, the, what the fruit is that grows on this particular tree when, when you, experience that but it's also a kind of a lost world a lost horizon in a way you know he was in a cave by himself for 15 years (laughs) and so was a lot of the it's a were a lot of these teachers up until the point where um contemporary lamas who are also very well trained uh, in in a certain way are online all the time actually mingyu rinpoche's whole portal is online. He's very um, active online, yeah. Zongsai Kensei Rinpoche is, is, is I, I actually was the um, music editor for a film that he did called Vara. So I, I spent work time with him and creative time, which was fun for me, you know, Mr. Creativity, Spirituality, making a buck. I'm there with one of the great llamas of our time yeah. and making a movie, you know. And But he's got his iPad out the whole time and <laughs> communicating with people. Sharon Salzberg, I hope, I hope I'm not telling anything about these people that uh, isn't just completely okay and fine. A lot a lot of tweeting and, and you know, connecting. So I think it's become part of um, the Borg. We're, we're, we're moving towards this kind of sense where this is part of our consciousness, not just hearing the people like uh, in the neighborhood around us, you hear your neighbors and stuff. Our neighbors are everywhere. 
and we can hear over the fence and it's just part of our everyday reality. Um, so I don't know if there's going back. I'm more from the future than I am from the past, which is unusual. I don't have a romantic sense of the past at all. Um, but the future is kind of got to have some kind of um, acknowledgement of the way we experience consciousness has shifted to a more uh, Borg-like reality. And we just have to make sure it doesn't turn into that negative reality where people can't think for themselves. Uh, they can't abide in space or any kind of um, you know sense of human body interactions. We, we got to um, protect that, don't you think? Uh, yes, I do. And as you were talking, I think one of the things I've really noticed uh, that has has suffered or been impacted is my physical writing with a pen. Mm. Uh, I, wow. you know, wow. I, at school, you know, used to write letters, mm. uh, I, you know, all of my exams written. Uh, and I was writing out a card uh, for a friend and I was so appalled at my handwriting. <laughs> Oh, no uh, And so uh, it's actually inspired me. I'm going to take, I think, a, a writing class. Yeah. Because what, I, I don't What about want... calligraphy? Are you interested in calligraphy at all? Uh, possibly. I think more, more so uh, for just, you know, story writing. Yeah. Uh, but through, through, you know, not just on my laptop. Wow. Uh, and, but, and because, you know, the, the, the software you know, Google Docs and, and Microsoft and, and all these things, like they predict what you're going to say. Uh, so I was writing a sentence and it, it basically finished the sentence. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I, I made a couple of tweaks, but that's, <laughs> that's it's, they're starting to think for you. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a, hmm. I call, this, I call this age that we're in right now, the age of dumb robots, because they're not smarter yet. No. But we're on our way towards a lot of people could describe this in different ways. But um, where the autocorrect is going to be like um, transcend a good editor, artificial intelligence. You know, it'd be interesting to talk to people who are into into the. You said Headspace is not a tech company, but um, in some sense it is, and in some sense Dharma Moon is even a tech company. Mm. There's so much technology going on in, in our little world day to day. So the question is, is, um, is the tech tuning up to, a, you know, in a way that could be just something we haven't even fathomed yet in terms of how it all comes together rather than, Oh, we got to balance it off. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, music person, as you know, and, mm -hmm. Watching tech in the last 35 years, I was involved with some some of the transformation to digital technology in the music world. And I had um, I worked for this company that made this thing called the Synclavier, which is a digital music synthesizer, the very first of its kind that could reproduce, you know, cellos and flutes and oh, you know cool. with, with the original, you know, and I had a, a major role in that um, iteration, just again through a kind of accident. But um, you know, the founder of that company, Eve. Uh, was a, I was the director of Karma Chilling up in Vermont, and he came up there and meditated with us. And he was also an old-timey fiddle player. His name was Sid Alonso. And he would, uh, when I saw what they were developing there, I couldn't believe it because I said, this is definitely the future of, of audio industry and the music mm -hmm. industry. So I got very involved. He asked me in a serious way 40 years ago. Okay, 40 years ago, you have to understand this. David. 
would it be advisable if we could port the music right into your brain and bypass your ears? And it was a serious question from a highly technically adroit individual. Uh, we're not quite there yet. They're looking at dreams, you know, they're tapping right into the, like you can see your dream on video. There's, there's all kinds of tech stuff that's coming. I wonder as a very successful tech company, there must be people at Headspace thinking about the future of consciousness and the interaction with technological devices. And, uh, uh, you know, really there must be a higher level of like, what is going to this going to be like in 20 or 30 years? Is meditation even going to be the same thing? You know? Yeah. Are, are people yeah. talking about this at all or not really? Yeah, we have within the, you know, the engineering team, folks who are looking at uh, how, particularly at the moment, how things like AI models can help with uh, more personalized experiences. Ah, uh, and wow. Love to be a fly on the wall there. Yeah. <laughs> it's far too technical for me to mm -hmm, understand, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we hear time and time again from folks, because as you know, everyone comes to meditation for their own reason. Mm -hmm. um, it's very personal to them. Of course, there's lots of similarities and causes of why mm. folks seek out things like these practices. Uh, but it means that we need to understand more about, you know, what it is going, what will be helpful to someone, what they're looking for, uh, what will keep them practicing coming mm. back. Uh, and I'd say number, it's always in our top five uh, feedback from, from members, a more guided, personalized experience. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we have, we have uh, folks working very, very hard, very, very clever folks working very hard on that. Mm. To, optimize, to optimize the helpful experience that you're trying to engender there. To, yeah. How, I mean, how can we help people? Would that be the question? How can yes. we actually assist and support and help people? Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess if you strip it back, and again, this goes back to when Headspace first started, but Andy was teaching live sessions. Mm. He was able to interact with and speak to the people that were attending. Mm. So he had a sense of, you know, the mood, sure. what was going on. Uh, and of course, you know, you really can only get that in a, you know, in an intense way in, in, a, in an in-person setting. So how, how do you take some of that and then, course it's never going to be exactly the same but if you know if i open the app um how can we get it as close to a you know a teacher who is there with you who can answer questions deal with concerns help folks overcome obstacles uh, you know as close as possible mm -hmm. so uh uh because you know meditation isn't it's not easy <laughs> it's not easy Fair enough and you know from our training that that's the biggest we don't want to present it as if it's supposed to be yes and that is immediately separates you from the mainstream of western culture right there you know people will ask gee i'd like to learn how to play an instrument what's the easiest instrument to learn none of them <laughs> yeah. so this uh, and i want to ask you this about you know, there's a fruitional way to present meditation, which is it's going to help you. It's going to make you happier. Uh, you know, they present Mingyur Rinpoche, the happiest person on earth. Um, uh, you know, um, what is the message that's embedded? And, you know, we're a little bit of a stickler for like 
starting with the first noble truth and somehow not bypassing your way around that, which is the truth of uh, you know suffering. And of course, from a marketing perspective, that's trickier because you're saying, oh, you know, come, come to our meditation class and get properly bored. Come and, and, and experience, you know, your own relationship to your own state of mind and see how you're trapped in habitual patterns over eons. You know, this is not exactly what <laughs> the marketplace wants to hear. But at the same time, without acknowledging that and without then the second noble truth of saying, what is actually the cause of that? There's no way to just leap over the hedge and go to noble truth number three, which is that it actually is all workable. It is all something you can relate to in a, in, in a more uh, you know uh, enlightened perspective, let's say, and therefore mitigate some of the unnecessary dimensions of it. But here's, I light up every time I talk about the truth of suffering. I don't know if it's because I'm Jewish or why it is. I like talking about, and I like looking at people's faces, and I particularly like the four kinds of suffering. You know, remember those? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, what, what are you talking about, Dave? Not getting what you want. Oh, getting what you don't want. <laughs> Alternating between getting what you want and not getting what you want. I can't even win. When I lose, I win. <laughs> and then fourth is all pervasive. It's just the ground hum of existence that things are just kind of like not really synchronizing. Mm-hmm. And to bypass all that, see, I don't know why. Maybe it's just, you know, it's it's um, it feels like you're getting traction when you're introducing those kind of ideas to people. And they say, and we're going to work with that. You can work with that. You can make friends with all of that. You can you can um, you can use the resources that you have available to you um, to create a, a more harmonious, integrated uh, relationship to to the living situation. But what about skipping that first step? Is that is that? Do you think Headspace might skip that or informationally? Do you feel like you're delivering that message to people? Like, yeah, sure, you got a headache. Yeah, you do. You're right. I mean, absolutely, uh, because uh, you know where Andy actually Andy trained as a as a Buddhist monk for ten years, wow. uh, and and really in the, incredible in the same and in a lineage that's completely adjacent to my own, right? Yes, that, that's yeah. because we go. You know, you and I have talked about this, going back to Sami Ling Monastery where Trungpa Rinpoche yeah. was with Akong Rinpoche. Yeah, and was Akong Rinpoche his teacher? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. So this is like really uh, more auspicious than might uh, meet the eye. It really uh, is. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that you came from that connection and um, yeah, it's so, but finish what you're saying. I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, one of the reasons Anzi decided to leave uh, the monastery life, you know, he was ordained as a Tibetan monk. Yeah. Uh, and Celibate? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's he, that's the reason I'd leave right away. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was at a yeah, he was at a, a, a crossroads, and he asked his teacher, I think Akon Rinpoche, and yeah. said, it, "Should I be doing this? Is this my path for the rest of my living life?" Sure. And he was asked to go and do another year's retreat, uh, and you know, then they would talk again. Uh, I think that was the year he spent at Sami Ling, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and. You and know, was Trungpa Rinpoche still there at that time? No, I think he'd, yeah, he'd, he'd left. No, cro- he, was, he was, yeah, he was already. They didn't cross. He had already come to the West. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, although, so as you know, Akron Rinpoche uh, 
sadly died, and mm-hmm. uh, his brother Lamia Shirimbache is is was now abbot of mm-hmm. something. Uh, and you know, as you know, you don't necessarily get a clear answer from a. Uh, Rinpoche. <laughs> I like the answer. You, you go into retreat for a year and then we'll talk about it. That, that's like, <laughs> imagine if you said that, if your app said, by the way, go into retreat for a year and then you get your next <laughs> class, you know, that's, that'd be funny. Yeah. So go ahead. Uh, and, you know, through conversation, uh, um, decided that really the path for, for Andy was to, to come back to the West and to help people understand their minds as it had helped him understand uh-huh. his mind and deal with suffering and tragedy. And so the teach it, the practices, the techniques, the tools in Headspace are all rooted in, you know, that lineage, uh, which has been passed down for, you know, over a millennia. Yeah. So throughout our content, it's deeply woven, you know, four noble truths, eightfold path, of course, in a, in a secular way, uh, sure. And so, no, you can't skip one to, you know, you can't skip a level. There's no yeah. extra, you know, you don't get extra points yeah. when you skip a level. <laughs> uh, but, but of course, there's, there's a, you know, as you said, it's, it's probably not going to fly if you focus on the challenging aspects of mind as a way yeah. to get folks to, to, to start, uh, yeah. and also to, particularly at the beginning, to continue. Um, but, you know, this is something I make a real point of in the practices that I teach in the app and both, you know, off, off, the, off the platform as well is that life is messy. Mm. It's really messy. It's complicated. We're complicated. We're messy. Uh, and, you know, just hearing you talk about, you know, the Four Noble Truths, it's like the def- if you don't take time to understand each Mm. Yeah, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again mm-hmm. and again and expecting a different result. It's also the definition of samsara, right? Right. <laughs> Literally, just go around and around. Exactly. You just go round and round and round expecting yeah. that things will change and they just mm. won't. Uh, and so I, you know, I of course there are thousands and thousands of apps uh, out there now and and all offering different interpretations and yeah. things of these practices, some more rooted in lineages than others, but it's, it's always, and it's so important to Andy, especially, uh, and me now as I'm, you know, doing more, uh, taking more, from, you know, over, not taking over from him, but he's, you know, stepping back a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, focusing on his family. Oh. Uh, and, you know, there's a, I'm, deeply committed to and not only I'm protective of uh th- these aren't things that just some folks made up 20 right. years ago uh you know there's a reason they've been around for as long as they have mm-hmm. because they work mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and you have to confront the dark side of the mind mm. and you know with with the you know joyous aspects that that, that meditation can bring Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a funny thing that happens to teachers, which is, you know, I have a particular affection for oracles my whole life. I just love that principle of like somebody opens a deck of cards and like I've had housewives in, in Westchester open a deck of tarot cards and tell you stuff that like make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Uh, I'm not talking about somebody who's got some 
cities, just somebody, a housewife who happens to be intuitive. And then I met the two oracles of the Dalai Lama through quirky, again, tendril, which was, um, you know, the Nechung oracle and uh, Kandro Sarima, who's a fe- one of the female oracles. And there's something about, and I had this kind of conversation with them, ordinary conversation. And then I've seen them do what they do, which is not ordinary from a conventional point of view. But just the idea that you're a channel in a sense. And, you know, the idea of a radio, the radio is not doing anything, actually. Mm. The radio just, you know, somebody turns the knob of the radio and then you get cool jazz or, or, or bluegrass or whatever you get. So not saying that you're becoming an oracle although we could work on it if you want, <laughs> is, um, you know, you're taking these, there's a lot of communication coming through. You're processing it through your own life, your own experience, and then you're opening your mouth and you're talking to, and you, as you said, I was very moved. You said, I'm talking to a blank screen a lot of the time. You can't even see the people in the Zoom session or whatever, but just let it pour through. And trust something about the intelligence of the situation, the compassion in the situation, that, and the intention. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Gelek Rinpoche came once to a yoga studio that I was affiliated with, and he walked around and he was going to leave. And I, I said, let's ask him for some advice, something. You know, and he, he, so he didn't leave. He said, check your motivation. Mm. That was his whole teaching, starting this whole enterprise, this whole kind of business. What is your motivation and intention? Mm -hmm. And I think that's good advice. That was very seasoned kind of advice. So what's your motivation? That is such, it's such a great point because this comes up, this actually comes up a lot in, in the work we do at Headspace as a way of putting or posing to members, to subscribers, to folks using the platform. Uh, again, why why do you want to come back? Why do you want to take care of your mind? Why do you want mm-hmm. to take care of yourself? And so for me, you know, my motivation, my intention is, and, and it stayed pretty consistent. This thread has stayed quite consistent over the years is I think about how I was before yeah, and the impact, my actions, my behavior, would have on other people mm-hmm. and in some cases it wasn't good a lot mm-hmm. of the time okay uh and so i that's always there with me if i'm struggling to practice if i'm just not feeling like it I think well your interactions later in the day might be kinder you might be a little bit more patient you might be kinder to yourself mm-hmm. more patient with yourself uh less judgmental uh, and so that that's the common thread of of just why my motivation. And, and Eve, just hearing what you described us in our brief session uh, conversation today, you were a wreck. Self-described, you were a mess, and you, an and this this came along, and it kind of helped you navigate your life in a way that um, uh, in, increased your um, capacity to enjoy your life and appreciate living. And that's enough. That's a yeah. great message. I, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. <laughs> blind, but now I see that's a sort of theistic version of what we're talking about. But there is some element of like, you know, I, I wasn't able to put two steps together on the road of life. And, and then um, I found a tool. I found a method 
um, that is very ancient, but we, we've been working hard to make it contemporary. Uh, and I just want to pass that through in a very sweet, genuine way and make a decent living while I'm doing it. Why not? Why the hell not? You know? Right. Uh, you know, I've, I've had my financial struggles off, gosh, big time. And so if I can do something that I'm deeply passionate about and make a living from it, I feel so, so grateful to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just, <laughs> I think that if I could describe how I was pre my practice, it was mm-hmm. that rabbit, rabbit in headlights, absolute mm-hmm. rabbit in headlights mm-hmm. and the jack in the box, just like bing, bing, bing. Uh, <laughs> I would just react, react, react. Uh, right. and no sense of self-worth, mm. uh, and you know, over time that can really have detrimental impact on how you mm-hmm. are in the world. Yeah. Uh, well, that's so beautifully stated. I know you have an appointment to get to, um, to, to caring for your dog, well, right? Pedro, Pedro, yeah, he, I have a little wiener dog. <laughs> wiener? Okay. Wiener. Is it Pedro? Oh, that's Pedro, funny. Okay. He, he's, he's hurt his back uh, a little bit so um, <laughs> how does a dog hurt their back well this is this is it's actually it's it's uh down towards his tail uh, and we actually think that he's he's a very happy little dog and he loves playing ball we had some friends watch him uh, when we were away a couple of weeks ago and we just think he overplayed and over wagged his tail yeah. uh, and so he's not he can't wag his tail right now <laughs> That is, he's, he wagged his tail and hurt his back. Are you all listening out there? Yeah. That's really yeah. a good one. Yeah. Be mindful of your tail. He was too happy. Yeah. He, was... he was too happy. <laughs> and he threw his back out. Well, we, we're sending yeah. our best wishes to little Pedro and you. And I would like to just, I'm going to just come right and say it. I would like you to be a regular guest on the podcast. I would love that. Just come back every two or three months and just check That's... in. Let's because I think people following your trajectory is it, it could be very harmonious. And I know you wanted to, I, I always like to invite people to let uh, the, the viewers and listeners know what they're up to and what's important to you. So uh, is there any program that you're going to be doing that you wanted to just put people onto? Yeah, we actually have a really exciting collection around women's health coming up, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we're focusing on, uh, sex relationships um, wow body image uh, oh. hormones and things so we'll be working with a number of experts there as well uh psychologists so that's that's coming up in two three months i think uh, and so if folks uh, are interested in using headspace would like to can, try can men take that course yeah absolutely yeah i not- think men should take that course and just keep their mouths shut and listen yes yeah. That'd be really Even good. At, so women, yeah. are, you know, folks identifying as women, feminine, mm-hmm. but of course mm-hmm. it's open to all. Right. Uh, okay. And so uh, I have a I have a code if folks would like to check out uh, Headspace. If they haven't, it's Eve EVE thirty. Uh, so I'm sure you can share that in the notes as well. Does it just uh, go to headspace.com and then? Yes. So sorry. Yes. Headspace.com yeah. forward slash code. Okay. So headspace.com forward slash code Eve thirty. And that will give you access for a month, 30 days. Uh, so to, the, can, to that program or to anything? To that's all of the entire app. Oh, so, okay. So so yeah. including the one, including this wonderful including women's program. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We, will, we will put that in the uh, 
in the uh, trailer attached to it. And um, that's so ambitious and kind of cool sounding because there's, it feels fearless in a way to just sort of talk about life the way it is and, and um, not feel like you have to stick to the conventional guidelines of what meditation, what areas it could go into and how it could affect your life. Just developing that kind of openness. So I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that you're doing that. And um, it's exciting. This was a great conversation for me. I'm really happy to hear what you're up to even. And and if, you know, if it's um, appropriate to say, you know, I'm really um, inspired by you. Oh, David, that means so much. You've been, I was telling a friend of mine, I was doing this podcast coming up and I was so, so excited because you've been such a friend and a guide and a mentor mentor to me. Uh, so just, I always love our conversations. I come away feeling so inspired and full of energy. So thank you. Okay. And uh, thank you. That was Eve Lewis Prieto and she'll be back and um, we'll put all the links into the chat. So uh, the, uh, onto the uh, scroll uh, attached to the podcast and so, again, thank you so much for, for being here and sharing your journey uh, with the, the members of the community out there. Thank you we'll so see, much, we'll, David. We'll see you soon. There you have it, folks. Episode number 35 of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast on the Be Here Now Network, featuring Eve Lewis in conversation with David Nickturn. We sincerely hope that you have enjoyed this episode and that it is of some benefit to you in your practice and life. So if you like what you heard here today, please, we encourage you to head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash David, where you can hear all of our podcasts. And in general, we encourage you to head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com to check out all of the amazing podcasts on the BHN Network. And it's an incredible repository for the transmission of wisdom traditions in today's medium the podcast. All right. We would like to thank you and also encourage you to head over to dharmamoon.com to check out our upcoming programming. Depending when you're listening to this, uh, we have a four-week series, Foundations of Mindfulness, that is running. And I'm very excited to be co-teaching with David for the first time. But we always have lots of programming going. We do several mindfulness meditation teacher trainings each year where you can deepen your practice and learn how to transmit the practice skillfully and communicate clearly. Right now we have a year-long Buddhist studies program with Ethan Nickturn that you can hop on quarterly. So check it out. We'd appreciate it if you would like to connect with David and us in community. We are practicing and studying and doing our best to meet the present conditions with skillful means and compassion. All right, everybody. I think that's all the things I'm supposed to say on the end of the episode. You know, like, hey, if you like our podcast, please head over to whatever platform you use and give us a five-star review. And, yeah, do that. Or tell us, tell your friends. And, um, yeah. Then maybe also look in your friend's eye. Tell them that you care about them and appreciate them. All right, I'm rambling. Are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. All the best.